What's up, guys? Welcome to this segment of Motorcycle Madhouse Shorts. I got an interesting question the other day from somebody on our YouTube channel. They asked me, what was your journey like? Journey from street crew. I call them street crews. Other people are going to call them gangs, which it is what it is. To biker. And that one really caught me. I said, you know what? That is a really good question. Because you do have to uh, look at something like that when you are kind of talking about the biker community. Because a lot of clubs have a lot of guys that came from street crews. And I guess those are the clubs that really flourished. Uh, you know, I'm being biased, of course. Because there was a lot of people that came up from the streets that already knew the game. And they were a lot more, uh, how can we say, uh, TCB. So, you know, just leaning off with that. But my journey, uh, I think it was 10 or 11 years old, I was introduced to it. Grew up in Chicago, you know, then uh, moved out to Melrose Park, which is a pretty hardcore town still. It's famous, let's just put it that way. Uh, then uh, as I grew my my uncle who passed away you know that's actually where the machikari name came from i actually used my uh grandma for my stage name and stuff uh that's kind of just a nod out to them but uh they passed away but my uncle introduced me to some pretty cool people they taught me more about life than any school ever could you know, I was really never big in the school. So, I, would, I, would, I always tell my kids I was too busy to go to this or that. You know, that was just my feelings on at school. But street crews, you know, it's more of a neighborhood type of thing when I was around it. Uh, it was keeping all the trash out, uh, protecting what was yours. Because... A lot of the neighborhoods, the cops, they really didn't do nothing for you. They didn't protect the neighborhood. So it fell on the crews to do that. Now, as everybody knows, freaking crews go all the way back before the even this beginning of this country to different uh, countries, and they migrated here. Uh, the one I was particularly in uh, was, uh, it started as a greaser gang, actually. And it grew from there and uh, has become a large uh, organization nowadays. Uh, something that's pretty freaking cool because back then it was uh, just, you know, situated in the city of Chicago. There was a lot of good guys in there. And by the way, Tweety, man, you know, sorry you lost your battle with cancer. You a cool motherfucker, dude. Cool. Y you did your thing, man. You never ratted. You did your time. You know, he actually died in prison, but real good guy, man. Those are the type of guys that really set that organization in motion. They, you know, that and uh, Arab, who was a military veteran. So a lot of stuff uh, came out of those. A lot of guys, you know, once they got out of it and stuff. But anyway, I was introduced to these guys by my uncle, and you guys can take what you can from that. I will not talk about who they were, what they were, all that stuff. All I have to say is look up the city. You'll know what I mean. 
But anyway, I got involved in, uh, you know, they taught me how to make money. Let's just put it that way. And I was a young teenager at that time. And at the same time, I was messing around with uh, who I was with, with the street crews. And it just made me uh, better in my mind. So that's where my journey started. And I guess that's the reason why I still got that kind of mentality, that street mentality. And that's something that would never leave me. Because your roots are something you'll always go back to. Regardless of what people say, your roots are your roots. So, early 90s, a friend of mine's father, you know, he was riding with the club. And... He introduced me to the scene. You know, I've always liked Harley since the first time I seen Two Outlaws when I was seven years old. You got the Harleys, your freaking pipes uh, banging and stuff like that. So it always was in me. It's just I took another path to get there. And this ain't saying that clubs or gangs or anything. It's just, you know what? Actually, it's two different worlds. And why I say that is... Most motorcycle clubs do just that. They try to maintain a motorcycle club. It's only a couple people that go out there and raise all kinds of hell and get clubs in trouble. So, yeah, clubs and crews, totally different thing, okay? Crews, you got your streets, then you got uh, your main stuff in the joint. And let me tell you, everything's ran out of the joint. It's not ran on the street, man. So, it's always funny when I hear these people that want to be hardcore and, you know, they try to emulate uh, stuff on TV. But the real truth is, man, and this is why I always preach it, don't do the violence, don't do this, don't do that, is because the joint, and you can go look at uh, Wes Watson stuff, you can look at Big uh, Hurt stuff. And you can get it right from the horse's mouth, man. Them some hardcore boys. But when you go in the joint, your whole life changes. But the street stuff is mainly called from the prison stuff. I learned that very early on, let me tell you. You know, I knew men, <laughs> I still do that, are doing life that I'm communicating with uh, way back in the day. But a lot of these old timers, it's not like today where... You know, they'll get busted up, and next thing you know, they're ratting up. And that's even happening in the MC world, man. More in the MC world than the other one. But everybody wants to play that gangster role until it's not time to play that gangster role, and they want to save their butts. Anyway, starting off in the, the club scene, you know, I did, uh, I think it was a year prospect time. Uh, they waived my hangaround time because I was a neighborhood kid, and I was always uh, around his uh, father anyway. You know, they were giving me pointers here and there. So I joined that, did prospect time. I think it uh, was one of the best times of my life in the prospect time. Remember, once you get your patch and stuff in this particular club, then... You know, things, you know what, I always call that club uh, MC slash uh, street crew because we were doing some pretty wild stuff. Most of the guys in this group were all from the streets, were all crew members, and you know how it works. So it just switched over to motorcycles. And when 
it became a prison street thing. You know, there's chapters starting in the joints. Uh, things just started getting away from the MC scene stuff. And in 97, I had my first kid. You know, I'm not going to lie. I made a lot of freaking money. And I always covered my bases because when I was going through uh, as a teenager, one old man said, pull out my wallet, check your ID. That's the only person you to trust. I don't care if you think you're close to them or you think that uh, they're going to cover you. They won't. So I've kept that till today. And I've always used that when I was going through this process. And I'll still never trust anybody. I don't care if I've known you 20 freaking years. If I'm in something like that, uh-uh. There ain't brothers. There ain't friends. You're just associates and you're on your freaking own. That's the way it is, man. You want to play the game, you got to play chess. You got to play chess, you know, 10 moves above everybody. The guys you're with, the, guy, the cops, the whole nine yards. And that's the way you stay out of the joint, but I don't recommend that stuff. I don't recommend kids go out and join crews anymore. You know, back then it was mostly, you know, chains, baseball bats. Yeah, we got uh, into some stuff with some pistols and stuff when I was younger, but, you know, back to the motor. That's, you know, that's kind of how I transitioned was the first club. 98 is when I left, you know, it was year after my kid was born and you know it got a lot more hardcore at that point but it eventually broke up and went straight hardcore prison stuff and street stuff took a little bit of time off then you know because i always had to bike i was riding independent and stuff then i got into uh the support club and i found that them people were a lot more calm uh you couldn't do nothing because if you did, you were thrown out on the street. So that, you know, that was something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I had a lot of businesses on the side, but hey, they were legal eagle, man. Yeah, I worked with uh, a lot of beautiful women, but uh, that's another story. Uh, you know, I threw parties, stuff like that. So that's basically was my journey that I went through. Now, again, I don't go into details about a lot of this stuff that ain't my place to do. What I can tell you is if you got kids or something like that, keep an eye on them. Because one of the main reason people join crews as kids is they want to belong to something. Or, like nowadays, they're watching these rappers, they see the cars, they want that money in their pocket. And that's all they look for, man. They're looking for the fame and they're looking for the money. They want to play Al Capone or Frank Nitti or Tony Accardo, man. They want to be the man. You know, Tony here, and uh, before he passed away, a guy never spent a night in jail, man. He was one of the smartest. I, you know, I wish I could have been. But from what my uncle said, he was a great guy. But anyway, tell him to stay away from it. Tell them don't do it. You know, if you have to, whack them on the ass. Keep them away. You know, keep them in the house. Keep them away from that stuff because, you know, it used to be, you know, marijuana and freaking uh, coke back then. 
Now you got freaking black tar heroin. They're you know they're running some meth. It's pretty hardcore now, man. And now all you have to do is so-called disrespect somebody. They'll pull out a freaking forty-five or a nine, or here in Chicago a Mac Ten, and just light you up. They don't care. There's no morals where it used to have morals back then. It ain't like that anymore. It ain't cool anymore. It ain't about protecting the neighborhood anymore. It's all about respect, money, and shooting. That's what it's about, man. That's why it's called Chirac here. You know what? I used to get homesick if I couldn't see the Sears Tower. I used to get homesick. Let me tell you, I never thought I'd beat out of the range of the city of Chicago. Besides, the food is awesome, man. Where I'm at now, oh my gosh, the food stinks. Ugh. Can't get a good Chicago hot dog out here, you know. They paid it to fly in here. You know, the closest we got is Portillo's, but it's not the same as Chicago. That was the Portillo's, the beefs, all that stuff's different out here. So, that was, you know, a time. A time in life. But I learned that as I got older, and that's why I think I am the way I am with uh, Insane Throttle. I hate seeing, because I've seen it done. I hate seeing people get hurt over turf or money. You know, I got a lot of pushback when I went out and did the one video where I gave my explanation to the Confederation of Clubs on the Biker News and their member clubs and said, you know what, guys? We're not for sale. I love the Confederation of Clubs to death. But, you know, we had some background issues, and not from the COC, but some member clubs where they say, you know, don't call us a biker gang, and then I got into the copyright issues, stuff like that. But... You have to, you know, I'm always on point, on real. When you're doing that kind of stuff, yeah, you're a gang, man. You know, if you're letting people go out there and do that kind of stuff, don't try to fool the public or don't try to get support. You have to clean your house internally. So, as I got older again, <laughs> anytime I seen it, or hear about it because I hear about it all the time through uh, doing this stuff, man. That's all we do. You can't, when you get older, you get like, well, what the hell, man? Is it worth it? Was it worth a couple of my friends doing life? Or was it worth a lot of people that I know going to the freaking grave either by, you know, somebody showing them disrespect or making money? <laughs> either You got two choices. There's only two. And I was told this when I was going through that other stuff. Yeah, I think I was 15 or 16 when they told me. You enter this life. You got two things that are guaranteed if you don't play it right or you stay around too long. See, they were trying to get me out of all this stuff. They were trying to get me pointing in a different direction. And I took the wrong direction. I didn't listen to them. But... Prison and death. That's the way it is. That's what you got to look forward to. And that's what your uh, kids got to look forward to. So keep them out of it. 
it's not a good life. It's not a, you know, life that you want to go through. Now to get him back to the biker stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I'm talking about the club stuff. I always enjoy riding and stuff and being independent. But I could never get that street crew mentality out of me. And when I looked around, it was like, what the hell's going on here? You would see people flipping on each other. And they were calling people brother, you know, two weeks before they flipped. And then the street crew mind of mine was, what the hell you guys doing? Why ain't you TCBing, man? It automatically went to them kind of thoughts. So, then I got sick and stuff. And I really think if I didn't get sick, I still would have left. Because at that time, again, I seen the way the lifestyle was developing and I knew it was going to take a wrong turn eventually, especially with the rats, man. The rats are, you know, ugh. you know, and then you see them walking around with nothing happening. So I think I wouldn't have stuck around anyway. And I think that's why I never get into another club again, because that's just something that you're always going to have to look out for. For every three members, you're going to have a rat. You're going to have one guy who's working either for law enforcement or flips when something happens. And you know what? The rule three, I call it. For every three, there's one. And that's been proven over and over and over again. I just couldn't see the hypocrisy in calling somebody brother when you didn't know who was going to flip on you. At least in the street crews, you knew damn well there's going to be a rat. You knew damn well it was a different kind of lifestyle than a club. A club was supposed to be, for me anyway, the riding, the brotherhood. And if you got into that type of stuff, everybody would back each other up. Well, it's not like that. The first thing they do is people are going to go and save their butts because the sentencing guidelines are a lot different than they are now. Back then it was a lot lesser. Well, I can't say that during 94 when Clinton passed that uh, law, <laughs> you know, the, the, that punished anything. And then you had the three strikes law come out, I think on the West Coast. And things just changed. And people were like, yeah, that ain't happening, man. If I get caught, I'm going to go and talk. One other subject I'll cover is a lot of people ask me, well, why are you the way you are with Leo? Again, with my background, I seen a lot of stuff that cops did. From the beatings, but worst of all, was being on the take. There, I seen cops out of Chicago come up to some of the crews. And next thing you know, their hands out and the, they're looking for their 500000 2,000 a week uh, cut right there on time every time. So you're talking about the hypocrisy. Lately, it's like, okay, wait a second, there's good cops, bad cops, but my mindset's always been, well, you have that blue wall, and you see and know that this is happening. Why ain't you doing anything about it? 
you're supposed to protect and serve, be a part of the community, all that stuff. And again, that's what led to street cruises. The cops weren't taking care of the community. And you wonder why Chirac's Chirac now. Because the cops had to back off. The cops were never really involved with the community, and the community didn't trust them. So hopefully it had a change. Hopefully all the violence has stopped, but human nature, it's never going to stop. There hasn't been one year, one month in the history of this world that we haven't been fighting or killing each other, and that's pretty sad. But one day I hope that the motorcycle club scene to stop all the violence. I always said... Why don't you do what Luciano did, man? He brought everybody to the table because he knew damn well business couldn't happen with the murders and stuff like that. They worked it out, worked the territories out, and they ran their thing. You know, if MC 1%ers ever did that, you know the freaking power they would have. But I guess the decades upon decades of bad blood, uh, they're just not in that mentality, man. Yeah, you lost people, but wouldn't you think it'd be better to sit at that table, hash your problems out instead of uh, having all this stuff come on, the profiling, the whole nine yards, people turning against you? That's just my reasoning. So, but I guess the moral of the story is don't let your kids get involved in any of this stuff because it's not going to do nothing but get them hurt and ruin their lives. So... Hopefully I answered the questions for you guys. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go, go, go. Not only do we got an NCOC statement of why motorcycle clubs are not gangs, but we also have the VFW. They just put out some rules down in Texas. And these kind of have uh, something similar in common. So let's get to the article here. Uh, there has been a war going on between law enforcement and motorcycle clubs for years. This it has indeed. The war has been one-sided up to this point in time. Only law enforcement has been on the offensive. This war is not a literal physical conflict in the traditional sense but rather a war of words, a war over perception. And anybody who knows anything about the club stuff, yeah, it's been a pretty big uh, war between each other. And as it said in the next uh, line, the government authorities have been using the media to apply the gang term to vilify and persecute motorcycle clubs and their members. And I've been saying forever, forever that the propaganda law enforcement puts up out there it changes hearts and minds and i never understood why some when something happens that the clubs don't put their side of the story out in the media because there's always two sides of the story 
and <laughs> this ain't 1970 or 80s guys man this is 2019 and social media and the media controls all the narratives just look at what's going on in this country today anyway authorities understand those that control language control much in society just like i just said indeed the war of words and perceptions they create will be determinant factors shaping the future of motorcycle club culture because words have tangible impacts well hopefully you know just going through this just now man it it, it sounds encouraging that the National Confederation of Clubs and the Council of Clubs is going to start going on the offensive and hopefully get both sides of the stories out to the public. You know, just reading a little bit. In fact, a gang label has caused some law enforcement to unconstitutionally use membership in a motorcycle club as probable cause or reasonable suspicion for investigation or arrest without any particularized or specific justification the practice of targeting and arresting members of club for possession of uh, legal firearms for the their association with organizations labeled gangs by authority is alarming and you know what i'm a big believer in the second amendment and stuff i don't even like concealed carry stuff even though i have one but uh you know yeah i can see where they're coming from on this one just because you're wearing a one percenter or you're affiliated through a support club that don't give law enforcement a right to take away your rights as a citizen of the united states let's go on uh NOC or ncoc representing the interests of thousands of motorcycle clubs and their member is adamantly opposed to using the term gang to describe motorcycle clubs all media outlets and public officials should discontinue the practice. Now, that's where I'll probably break with this statement is because when you're out there, how can I say this politely, out there doing gang stuff like uh, the violence, like the shootings, like the beatings, like the uh, selling methamphetamines. I don't know how many stories we've been so told on this one. But when the clubs don't step in and police themselves, what do you think the citizens are going to think when they see that kind of article? Well, yeah, it must be a motorcycle gang because they're out there doing gang stuff. You know, that's where the propaganda war is raging is you got these few people out there doing this stuff and the clubs they stand behind them <laughs> worse yet they don't get their side of the story out anyway the most reliable data disputes the accuracy of the term the demographics of cub culture are alone enough to indicate the gang label most motorcycle clubs and their members are politically active dedicated to charity not criminals and many serve in the u.s military just as the highly publicized criminal actions of a few officers doesn't mean all cops are bad. The criminal acts of a few do not justify applying the term gang to members of a motorcycle club. That's simply inconsistent with the First Amendment. Uh, you know, we're going to go into that right there. But here's a hard question to ask. And this is a debatable question. Now, we know law enforcement uh, involve in uh, how that stuff went down in Waco, Texas. But what does the public see when there's nine dead and over 20 injured and the video of the CCTV is everywhere for people to see what happened went down there? 
That's a question. Now, does clubs do that or does gangs do that? Let's go on. The term gang in the First Amendment, the term gang is in the legislative or legal arena has a much more specific definition than in social or media circles. In the legal content, an individual must be directly connected to criminal activity of the alleged gang before they are considered a gang member. In fact, when prosecuting a member of an alleged gang, evidence of criminal wrongdoing by other members of an organization that don't involve the defendants are properly excluded by the federal rules of evidence because such evidence is unduly prejudicial. Now, right now, uh, the Mongols are trying to go after the patch. They just got convicted of RICO for the entire organization. Now, granted, it was from Doc Cavasso's time, but there was other incidences down in Tennessee where you're talking hardcore money going back and forth in uh, the drug trade and stuff. So, again, you know, that argument, there's two sides of it. Let me know in the comment section what you think. Because uh, this is something that needs to be debated, if you ask me. This interpretation of the term gang or gang member is consistent with the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. On the other hand, the term gang being applied to an individual for mere membership in any organization is unconstitutional. Motorcycle clubs, including clubs labeled organized or criminal gangs by authorities, are First Amendment protected or associations. Well, yeah, of course they're protected. Anybody can be a part of any organization. Restrictions uh, solely based on association in a motorcycle club violate the First Amendment. There is no evidence that by merely wearing motorcycle club colors, an individual is involved or associated with the alleged violent or criminal activity of other motorcycle club members. Totally agree there, but the problem is motorcycle clubs don't police their own. You got guys out there doing all kinds of stuff, and it reflects back on the club. That's where you're losing the propaganda war because you're not putting out your side of the story. And, again, you're not policing your own. So, you know, it's hard to argue that. Uh, and, in fact, the Supreme Court has long disapproved government action denying rights and privileges slowly based on a citizen's association with an unpopular organization. That was Healy versus James. Uh, to permit law enforcement officers to impose restrictions on any person who wears the insignia motorcycle club without regard to or knowledge of that individual's specific intent to engage in alleged violent activities committed by other members is anti-ethical to the basic principles enshrined in the First Amendment and repugnant to the fundamental doctrine of personal guilt that is hallmark of an American judicial well you know there's also been the argument that you know since the clubs are using uh, the first amendment and constitutional stuff and again this is a debate when it comes to protocol you know many feel that clubs are taking away other individual rights to wear what they want to and this is a question that i really like to hear the clubs you know respond to are you not taking away other people's rights to do what they want to do are you not 
putting people under protocol and threatening these people uh, with uh, harm or they can't do this or can't do that by telling them, no, you don't have First Amendment rights because this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's been. And uh, quite frankly, a lot of people nowadays, they don't buy into that stuff anymore like they used to. And they feel like they're free as Americans to practice their First Amendment rights as well. Just, you know what, I'm playing devil's advocate on both sides here, trying to go right down the line and answer, you know, what's going on here. Uh, then they go into the demographics, uh, you know, simply motorcycle profiling is an epidemic, which I've said before, uh, with 99% reliability and 1.4% of margins. Uh, motorcycle club members are employed. Most gang member are not. Now, that's where I'll have to disagree because I grew up in the gang scene. And a lot of gang members I knew had jobs, okay? You only had a few that uh, had all the big money and stuff like that. I would say half and half, man, you know, with the gang members and club members. But I do know club members are hardworking uh blue collar guys and i'll have to still argue that so are some gang members uh academic and government studies have long established that gang members are less likely to be employed and more likely not to participate in the labor force uh yeah that coming from a government thing using that uh yeah i don't know man i don't trust many of that uh Let's see here, only 3% of the, you guys can read that as I go. I'm going to go slowly so you to see what's going on. And then it goes into the employment demographics uh, of the, what they're talking about here. Employed, working full-time, 68.82%, uh, but this is from that study. Uh, motorcycle club members vote, gang members don't, depends which gang you're in. Uh, a lot of the gangs are set up just the way uh, motorcycle clubs is, unless you get into, uh, you know, they got round tables, they got freaking commissions, and all that type of stuff set up. And that's one thing I never understood about clubs. If you ever got the one percenters on a commission, you know, it'd be unstoppable. That's just me. Uh, political activism uh, is protected under uh, the First Amendment. Uh, motorcycle clubs and their members are very politically active. Uh, you know, again, I got to argue against the other poor, especially in Chicago, a lot of gangs, they're hardcore in the politics, man, hardcore. 38% of mo uh, motorcycle members are vets, which uh, we love to death, and we know that's how a lot of the club scene got started was with our vets. So, you know, you know, pulling over a veteran and stuff like that, I don't know. Only 1.7% of club members are convicted felons. Well, you know, if that's the case, that 1.1% of convicted felons or what they're out there doing to bring, you know, the bad stuff onto the club, that's something that needs to be fixed. It really does because they're dragging everybody else down. And incidences like the shootings, the drugs, and all that stuff, well, that 1.1% is what's putting the propaganda out there and allowing the cops to do what they're doing. Uh, have you been convicted of a felony? Uh, you know, I don't know where that's coming out. But uh, final thoughts, they said the First Amendment to the Constitution protects an individual's right to associate with whomever they choose 
and express that association free from government discrimination or persecution. Now, let's take that right there and apply it to protocol, okay? You are saying, well, the First Amendment protects you from uh, uh, government discrimination or persecution. You see where I'm getting at here? Persecution? You know, I know the traditions. I, I actually, you know, respect the traditions and stuff. But I also believe you got to evolve with the times. People are not the way they used to be. You know what? If somebody wants to wear a stupid patch, you know, that they made up, and I'm not calling patches stupid. I'm just saying if they want to wear a stupid patch that they just made up, you know, the blow blows MC or whatever, who cares? Is it worth the time of putting your members in the joint for going after some guys that don't have nothing behind them? They're just out there trying to ride. Now, I see it if they put a 1% diamond on, but all the others, I don't see it, and it actually kills your argument, the protocol uh, stuff. It kills it. Because, again, on one hand, you're saying you guys are being picked on, but on the other hand, you're turning around on a, another class of people. You know, if you want people's support, then there has to be some evolution on this protocol stuff because when I did a poll, and we did a lot more than just what you've seen, only 30% of people support clubs. That is worrisome for the club scene. You know, just what I always say is take a look at the manufacturer's numbers right now with sales, especially Harley-Davidson. They are in bottom. They can't get new riders. Well, if they can't get new riders to buy bikes, who do you think is going to join the clubs? And, you know, something that I never thought would ever happen was clubs riding with LE. With the associations, they got started up. And you know the reason why they started those, like the Law Abiding uh, Motorcycle Club Association or the Alliance, is because everybody was tired of the protocol and being told what to do, being dragged into the politics. A lot of people nowadays cannot stand the politics. So if you go to one guy for, you know, a blessing for protocol, well, now all of a sudden your whole club, don't matter if you go national or local, is against the other club. And people don't want no part of that. Uh, all the, oh, the gang label is a convenient way to characterize and vilify thousands of people simultaneously. The only statistical data and evidence suggests that the gang label has applied to motorcycle clubs is highly inaccurate. So... The problem is you got to go out there and put your side of the story on. And I'm glad to see the NCOC out there actually doing it. But it takes more than the internet to do it. When something goes down, somebody's arrested, the clubs have to get out there, put their side of the story and say, you know what, he ain't part of our stuff. We don't, we don't condone it. We don't do any of that stuff with this type of uh, what's going on, this criminal activity. Until clubs start doing that, in the media, in the public, actually starting to talk to people, perception's always going to be around. Uh, the NCOC asserts that 87% of actual gang members did not vote in the 2016 presidential elections. Uh, I like to, well, you know, again, like to see that. You know, yeah, it might seem I'm more on the gang side, but I lived that lifestyle more than the club scene. I came up as a kid in that shit. 
and you know again and you know a lot of gangs have commissions and yeah there is a lot of voting that goes on within the gang scene uh and far more than uh 1.1 percent of actual gang members are uh convicted felons now let me ask you this question uh clubs are accepting a lot of gangbangers into their ranks i know many clubs that are doing it what do you say to that because then what you're doing is it's not only 1.1% or 7%. Now you're bringing in the gang element, as you claim, and it just brings up the numbers within the club, you know. So anyway, that's mine. I hope I played it down the middle on that one, giving both sides uh, something to debate. Uh, but uh, one troublesome uh, thing of where the propaganda war is being lost is... Right here out of the VFW, man, the Department of Texas, a veteran of foreign wars. And number two just came out. Now, this is their rules they passed down there. And this should worry clubs if these veteran organizations are doing this. And just shows you how the propaganda war is being lost on part of the clubs have. Uh, two gangs, gangs including any motorcycle groups, units, gangs not affi officially affiliated with the VFW or other veteran service organizations are not allowed to wear or display their vest or colors at any Texas VFW post or business operation uh, operated by or on the behalf of the post unless voted upon by the post membership at a regular or special meeting called for such purpose. Specifically, any gang included motorcycle group, unit gang, or its individual members that is identified as a 1% organization or is listed in the annual Texas Department of Public Safety Texas Gang Threat Assessment is prohibited from wearing their vest or colors at any Texas VFW post or business operated by or on behalf of the post regardless of post membership approval this includes the group or unit hosting and attending an event or fundraiser even if it is for another organization on bfw property now that just goes to show you how the propaganda war is being won and the shortfalls that the clubs have had getting their message out there now that the VFW is doing it, and that's one thing the clubs do not understand, I don't think, without getting your side of the story out there, what the people are seeing is the Leo's uh, side of the events. They're seen in the media, which you claim, you know, and I understand the claim that uh, they're using the media to put it out there. But people who vote and people who sit on juries i've said this a million times see that without the other side of the story so you might want to think of this uh again uh we don't talk to uh media stuff because it's killing the club scene now i'm an independent and you know yeah i support a lot of clubs i support motorcycle clubs rights but i have a hard time and i think i always will with why motorcycle clubs don't freaking kick the trash out to the curb. Yeah, you know, I know the brothers thing. Uh, well, they're a brother. We can't abandon them. But my question is, and this has been talked about a lot, is when somebody leaves a club and they used to be hardcore and tight, the club never has time for them anymore because they left that freaking club. 
So do you think it really matters with uh, kicking some bad apple to the curve? Uh, you know, a so-called brother wouldn't have put the club in the spotlight and wouldn't have brought down the heat. Just saying. So, yeah, you know, the VFW in Texas. And let me again ask this. You know, I understand the Leo uh, actions in Waco. We covered it uh, the whole time. But do you see where people are coming, you know, from when you got this big melee uh, happening out there? You know, people, you know, we seen the fight break out on the TV, uh, on the, the surveillance film and all that stuff. Yeah, the cops have a lot of things. They shouldn't have even let uh, the Cossacks in to that. They knew something was going down. They should have prevented it. But at the same time, that whole melee on the club's part shouldn't have happened either. So, again, let me know what you guys think about the NCOC statement as well as this new VFW uh, orders down in Texas. Let's get the debate going. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open.